Blackwater, the Wagner Group, Executive Outcomes, the Flying Tigers, the Swiss Guard, the White Company, the Knights Templar, the Varangian Guard, Clerkus of Sparta, Pythagoras the Spartan, Mentor of Rhodes, Socrates of Achaea. The list is endless. Mercenaries, Guns for Hire, Soldiers of Fortune, Private Military Companies, Private Security Contractors, Dirty Deeds, <laughs> Not So Dirt Cheap. History is replete with privatized militaries. Call them what you want. They have been around for a very long time, and they are very likely not going away anytime soon. And like it or not, wars are good, very good for business. Furthermore, history tells us that more people are enslaved and killed by such means as greed, corruption, oppression, and tyranny than by any other means. So choose the red pill, remove your blinders, all of them, and take a good sensory inventory of what you're being told and shown to believe. Because here we go. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Oconus, The Contractor's Life. Talking from the relatively insulated and bucolic rural foothills of northwestern Washington State, I'm your host, Scott Dresser. Life as a private security contractor in a hostile or a war-torn zone, or as some call it, an austere or a non-permissive environment. Well, it is a mixed bag of blessings. Some good and some not so good. All in all though, private security contracting is much the same as life. It is what you make it. The MENA region, or the Middle East North Africa region. Lands of enchantment, lands of mystery, lands of the old ones and the ancient ones. Myths, legends, folklore, maybe. If you believe what you read in the ancient and the holy texts, then you know that it all centered around what we refer to as the MENA region. That's right, the Mediterranean. And you probably also know that to every legend or myth, there is a base of at least some truth. Welcome everybody to the 14th episode in the third season of Oconus the Contractor's Life. Thank you for tuning in. We will pick up where we left off, more or less, in the previous episode, uh, which was 13, for anybody that, that wasn't listening or didn't pick it up. Um, so, about this time frame, I mean, we've got a lot going on. Uh, where we're at training down in the hot, high plains desert area of uh, New Mexico. So, uh got a lot of we're doing a lot of testing still uh, that is uh, they're testing us to see where we're at physically mentally emotionally um, you know if we can figure things out um, if we need a lot of persuasion if we can work as a team or we can at least get along with others to get whatever we're doing done so this also includes um, you know, physical conditioning testing, uh, like uh, we were doing weights in the gym, 
that we had. And what I mean by weights is uh, there were various stations where we had to lift or push or press a minimum amount of weight and a lot and it was based on our body weight so they had a scale they weighed us they also did bmi stuff with calipers uh, testing for all kinds of things uh, you know i i suspect that some of that is still in play it, it depends on the contract you're on but that was a big thing i mean uh you know, physical conditioning and fitness and your ability to do what you're being paid and asked and contracted to do um, requires, you know, for the most part, some serious physical conditioning. And you've got to maintain that physical conditioning. So that that was, it was something that was impressed upon us frequently. And I think they probably called some guys up, but Usually, it was as a group as a whole, uh, the lead instructor, a former Marine, really good dude. Uh, he rarely um, called somebody out individually amongst everybody else. Um, if typically he uh, would call you aside or even wait till the end of the day and have a list of X number of people that he thought needed a little motivational <laughs> help. Um, you know, where you're faltering, where you're failing, where you're not, where you need improvement, one thing, another. Uh, but what, But he also, and he wasn't the only one, but primarily he did, would remind folks the importance of physical conditioning. And once in a while, uh, maybe more than once in a while, it just depends on how much time you actually spent outdoors when we weren't, um training so on our downtime on our own time if you went out especially early enough in the morning and late enough in the evening you would sometimes see some of the instructors or trainers out there doing their physical conditioning whether it was running or taking a sledgehammer to a big tractor tire that was on the ground or uh, hitting the sled and and pushing it or in the gym um so, I mean, physical conditioning is, is a, was, was, and still is um, a big key component at the higher levels of private security, um, especially in an overseas environment. Um, so, in environments where you've got high hills, ridges, you know, you're at a, high, you're at a heightened elevation uh, where it's hot, I mean, like very hot or cold, or very cold, okay, those things require, you know, th those especially higher levels of physical conditioning to be able to keep up with what you've got to do, whether you're walking, jogging, running, whatever it is you got to do, so that you can be, because you're a key component, it doesn't matter how many guys are actually with you, two, three, five, ten, everybody's counting on everybody else to be able to pull their own weight, and maybe pick up the slack if some guys go down. So physical conditioning was a huge component of that. So we were testing that. So we went through that whole phase. Um, and as, <laughs> as I recollect, um, a number of guys actually uh, commented or complimented me at that time on my relative physical conditioning for what they called the old man. Um, I was the old man in the group. 
I think I uh, probably was the oldest in terms of age there. Most of the guys were around the 30s. So some in the 20s, others in the 30s. We might have had one or two that were in the 40s, maybe even three other guys. Um, but I think that was pretty much it. So, um, but yeah, I, I got complimented. They, you know, they were you're like, wow, you know, not bad for an old man. <laughs> I've kind of heard that a lot. Um, but, you know, as time went on, uh, and speaking of the physical conditioning, uh, my physical conditioning improved dramatically. I mean, dramatically, uh, especially as we got toward the end and at the end. Other guys, some also, not everybody, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, sometimes youth can get away with things that older people don't have, that older people sometimes have to work a little bit harder at to stay at that same level or reach a higher level. But it's all come also comes down to mindset. You know, uh, where are you at? I mean, are you that kind of person that wants to excel, that you want to know, you want to learn, and you want to improve and get better? So these are all, I mean, these are parts of the many pieces that they're looking at uh, on a daily basis as they gauge and estimate where we're at and who's going to make it and who isn't and who deserves to stick around and, and who should be sent home. It was also about that time. Uh, it might have been a week or two, maybe even a couple more weeks than that. But about that time, um, we had our assigned positions in the chow hall, which was uh, it, it served a, a number of functions. Like I said before, there was a bowling alley there. There was a, a small gaming area, arcade machine kind of stuff. There were restrooms. There was a, uh, there was a formal dining hall. Uh, and but what I mean by formal, in other words, it was cordoned off, sectioned off. It was, you know, that's where you go to. There were other, uh, a common area for that. There was another two rooms for that. And then there was also some kind of common areas. So we, we were impressed upon to stay in one or the other and told that we could not, uh, they did not want us, and made it clear that we were not going to buy any of the food that was for sale. We had to go through the chow hall line. And, um, okay, you know, whatever. That's money we don't got to spend. But a lot of us were complaining uh, as quietly as we could that the food kind of sucked, and that's why we didn't want to eat it. We want, you know, we'd rather pay some extra money to get food off the shelf off the racks, the hangers, what have you, that at least tasted good. So what had happened is we, as I recollect, most if not all of the cooks and the people that were providing the food, preparing it for us for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and that's a pretty tall order, and you know, and our hats are off to them, and we, we were always, you know, as courteous as we could be uh, because they were doing a, a service and doing the best they could. But the food, they were, they were trying to, prepare American cuisine and it just wasn't turning out well sometimes it was okay sometimes it wasn't bad um, you know uh, I mean like for breakfast example eggs and bacon I mean you could you know it's kind of hard to screw that up so breakfast was for a time my favorite and actually through the whole iteration that was my favorite I mean you really can't screw up eggs and bacon um, as I recollect you could get it semi to order but uh you know you couldn't go crazy with with the uh, preferences on that so where i'm going with it is at some point uh 
the word got around, word got back, the instructors, the trainers, the company, whoever. And uh, one day we walked in and for dinner anyway, I, I think lunch, they, they change up lunch a little bit. <coughs> um, but at that point, you know, it's a second, third week into it. I really stopped eating lunch. And as I've said before, there were times that I knew something was coming. And so I didn't eat lunch because I didn't want to have to barf it up. I didn't want to um, have it slowing me down and and doing the ugh factor. Wish I hadn't eaten lunch. I should have known better. Um, so there were a lot of reasons why I didn't eat lunch. But dinners, after that second or third week, probably around the third week, um, is that's when things really changed a lot. And um, we walked in one night. It was dark outside um because we're talking you know late fall early part of winter and um voila we've got mexican cuisine and everybody as i recollect everybody was aga at this it was like wow it looked good it smelled good and it tasted great so from that point on dinners were a variety of mexican cuisine and it was I mean, it was absolutely phenomenal. Just tasted great. And everybody pretty much loaded up and ate as much as they cared to eat. So, <laughs> you know, uh, dinner was a success. Breakfast was uh, fairly repetitive, but at least it was good. And it was healthy and it provided the energy that we were going to need, um, especially if you were like me and you skipped lunch. So we loaded up at breakfast. At least I did. Uh, would grab some fruit sometimes, an apple or banana, an orange, one or two of each. Um, that would typically get me through the day if I needed it. Uh, at one point, I found stumbled across, across. I had to ask around for it. There was word that there was a, a store, if you will, and there was. It was a very small store. It was kind of like in, a, in an area that was offset, similar to what you might remember in high school where they had the candy session section um, and it was manned by, you know, boys and girls in your school. And when it's open, the, the doors go up. When it's closed, you know, that shutter door comes down. Similar kind of thing there. Went in there, looked around. I was able to find some super high protein protein bars that actually tasted pretty good. And so I spent extra money on that. Um, you know, they tried to not get me to do it, but I did it anyway. Um, you know, I guess sometimes when you perform well enough and you do things, you can sometimes get away with things. I don't know. Maybe it just wasn't a big deal. Maybe they didn't know it. I did not advertise it. They didn't want that getting out there. They didn't want us going there and shopping and buying stuff there. So I did not advertise it. Maybe that's why they let it go. Who knows? Uh, but that's where we were at at that part of it. Um, so, you know, we're still getting used to things. And, you know, our our, uh, our kit is being, you know, introduced to us. We're being shown how to put it together because we had to put all the pieces together. Um, I made the mistake. <laughs> uh, I forget the brand, uh, but people have worn it. People know of it. Um, but I had made the mistake not knowing what the brand was because depending on the brand and the fit i need a medium or a large on my plate carrier so it just depends on the brand and how it fits because you know uh it's that old saying you know you've probably seen it yourself when it comes to clothing 
Um, you go out and you're used to buying a certain brand and you know what size and then you go buy a different brand and it's like, oh, it's like too big or too small. And it's like, well, it says it's the same dimensions, but it's not. <laughs> okay. Same thing with the plate carriers in the rest of your kit. So uh, based on experience with some of the other brands and what people had told me, I said, well, I'll take a large. Turns out I should have got the medium. <laughs> uh, anyway, it was kind of a it was kind of a pain in my rump for the iteration, for the duration of that. Um, I had to find ways of cinching it up and making it fit snugger and tighter uh, because you don't want this stuff moving around, jumping up and down um, and chafing and, and one thing or another. You want your kit to, you know, rest on you uh, fairly snugly. Uh, at least that's the way I prefer it. And in hindsight, probably I should have known because the plate carrier that I had bought for, for myself for other projects was indeed a medium. Uh, now, sometimes a large is, is needed. Again, it just depends on the kit that you're wearing because some of them, the way they're designed and shaped, I need a large. Now, I wear, on average, I wear a large shirt, sometimes an extra large shirt. Just depends on, the, again, the shirt, the brand, and the fit. But uh, for some reason, medium tends to be where I need to be on the plate carriers. And primarily, it's because of the length of it. And what happens, at least with me, is if you start getting larger or, or bigger sizes, it's, it sits, it rests too low on the hips. And as you're trying to maneuver and stoop and bend over and, and one thing or another, it, it, it gets in the way and it catches on things and it's difficult to extract things from other pockets and, and just maneuver the way I want to maneuver with this thing fitting properly. So medium, uh, everybody's different. I asked, Hey, they, they realized they looked at it and said, is that going to work? And you know, it looks like you got the wrong size. Long story short, um, it was too late. They had already spent the money on it. Um, nobody wanted to swap. They weren't going to buy me another one. Uh, so I just, I did what I could using, uh, paracord and other stuff um, to try and cinch it up and make it work and of course I did I made it work that was also about the time when we started to see that there were certain guys in this class that certain instructors or trainers didn't particularly care for um, and you know and you can like or dislike somebody for a variety of reasons and sometimes you can just let it go and it's not a big deal it's just personality clashes or the way they go about doing things or getting things done but we started to see that um, get in the way um, for some of us it was a concern maybe for a lot of us it was a concern it's like wow why does this guy get such a hard on for this dude you know he's not really doing anything wrong you know he may not be doing it precisely exactly the way they this instructor or trainer wants it done but he's doing it and he's doing an otherwise decent job and he's trying really hard and so we come together as a team off after hours one thing or another try to motivate these guys and and keep them incentive get them incentivized and motivated and go over stuff over and over and over until it sinks in and you know it works you know so uh and typically the guys are very grateful for that sort of thing for helping them out and you know and that's part of it you know if you're going to be a team you know you need to help each other out and and you know if you see a guy's having troubles or struggling with something 
help them out. Offer it, you know, offer to help them out. And they'll either accept it or they won't. If they don't accept it, if they don't want it, on them. At least you tried. And, you know, um, I suffered the scourge or the wrath of, of a couple or a few of them. Uh, in particular, it was the, he was, I mean, he was an instructor trainer, but he didn't really, he sometimes showed his face and was out there. He was really the owner of the, of the instruction training company. And there were a few times he was out there and he and I got into heated exchanges. Um, I kind of had a heads up about the guy because a good buddy of mine had gone through this thing just a little bit before I did. And he told me about the dude and told me some stories. And it's like, holy shit. Uh, and there he was doing the same thing with me. And, you know, there was a time when some of us were like, you know, this isn't boot camp. Okay, this isn't SFAS. This isn't the Q course or you know, we're not going through buds. We understand that you want to test us, you know, and you want to gauge us. But, you know, we really don't need to go through this. You know, some of us have been contracting for a while. Um, how about just treat us like men and uh, show us and teach us. And if we pick it up and we run with it, great. If we don't, you know, then pull us aside and, and have a talk to us. We don't need to be talked to like a bunch of, you know, bunch of retards. Um, anyway, here nor there. Uh, that so you know we're around the third week in this class and uh, I think for now I'll leave it at that pick it up uh, in the next episode which will very likely be uh, next year in 2024 as a to contractor's life usually about this time of year we take a break for the rest of the season and we resume the following year usually sometime on or about the month of february so um with that said oconus the contractor's life wishes you a very happy thanksgiving a very merry christmas and hopefully a very happy upcoming and prosperous new year that said folks remember that it takes a team the grass is not always greener on the other side. Be careful what you wish for because you might just get it. Stay frosty and until next time, keep it real. Oconus the Contractor's Life extends a special thank you to music composer Kava Cohen and to Colin Perry of Ninja Tracks for allowing Oconus the Contractor's Life the use of Kava's song Heavy Clutch from the music soundtrack to the game Forza Motorsport 7. And also, a big thank you to Andres Rodriguez, who can be found at the Fiverr website for his excellent original music scores.